Relationships are built on trust. Possibly every story in history has an element of trust, be it with fallen monarchs, birth of religions, rise of organizations, or even examples from the animal kingdom. This has been an area of research for many years and as we flourish in the age of information, trust becomes one of the most essential foundations on which organizations and teams get built. But how do we build trust? Where do we begin? Who takes the first step and how do we know when it's achieved? To discuss this in more detail, I invited a good friend of mine, Sarika Karbanda. She is a coach who specializes in lean change management, the first management 3.0 trainer in India and the host of the Perspectives of Change podcast. Needless to say, she is probably one of the best I know who has helped teams with their quote-unquote trust issues. So it only seemed fair that I pick her brains on this episode for some anecdotes. So welcome everyone, I am your host Vishal Prasad and this is Enterprise Joy, educating organizations to be awesome. Welcome Sarika and welcome everyone. This is another episode of Enterprise Joy and before we go ahead, tomorrow is 25th of October when you're going to listen to this episode for the first time and it is Sarika's birthday. So a very happy birthday, Sarika. Yay! Thank you so much, Vishal. I feel wiser, not older, but it feels great. Thank you very much. Today's topic is a dance with trust, dance with trust. And this is something that Sarika, you have been speaking about for some time now. So my first question to you obviously is, what is a dance with trust? It's easy for me to answer because uh, I have been into dance for a very long time and I love to dance. Okay, let's start with that. Um, And for me, dance is a journey first with yourself and then with a partner if you're, you know, doing... uh, not a Bollywood dance because that you can do with like groups and tens of people. Mm. Um, But uh, essentially you start a journey of dance with yourself where you go to a dancing school or something. That's what I did. I went to a dancing school. I learned the basic steps. Uh, You know, if you are learning one of the Latin dances, because I've done that, uh, I learned how to do the basics. So the back step, forward step, you know, the side steps, all those basic steps that you do. You start mm-hmm. learning and just like you would learn any competence, uh, you know, any, any skill that you pick up, um, you have a journey to it, right? You start as a novice and you keep learning your coach and trainer or dance teacher here in this context teaches you stuff. You learn until you get confident. As I got confident, the dance teacher with the rest of the group said, okay, people, now you're all ready to do, you know, this whole dance with your partners. You realize only then, Vishal, that, you know, when you start dancing with a partner, that's a journey in itself. Because imagine if we had to start dancing and we had just learned our basic steps individually and now we have to start dancing together. I'm footstepping, you're footstepping, you know, we are flipping, falling. All that is going to start happening because we are trying to adjust to each other's steps and actions. And exactly what you do in dance, so whether you're doing a rumba, cha-cha, jive, salsa, which are the dances that I learned, and that's what I relate dance and trust with. When I started dancing with a partner, I started relating everything with trust. And I'll give you some examples of that. Mm -hmm. So in this dance form, you have a posture. 
you have to keep like a minimal distance between each other and you as two dancing partners define what that safe distance is what that comfort space between the two of you is which is mm-hmm. as good as creating psychological safety between people whether it's teams leaders etc in any organization and it's exactly that safe space that you start to create between two partners who are going to dance now my approach to dance is also you start with trust right you have to mm-hmm. trust that your partner is going to do the best so you know someone who's going to pick you up as a dance partner give you a lift and put you in another place or you're going to run there's going to be a lift that's going to happen or there's a fall that's happening which looks so beautiful when the dance form is done but that cannot happen if i by default start to mistrust my partner so i have to mm-hmm. entrust my partner with the fact that they're going to take care of me as much as i'm going to take care of them that also allows the right expressions on me the right smiles on me and brings out the beauty in the whole dance form itself yeah. and everything for me about that dance right is about trust so when when i mention right it i'm kind of footstepping on you if you footstep on me what i start doing then is hey you know what um i think i'm not very comfortable with this step uh can we try something different or can can you be careful while i'm doing this step so i start opening my vulnerabilities to my partner mm-hmm. and we start exposing our vulnerabilities to each other where we say i don't know what i don't know mm-hmm. i am going to make mistakes can you help me so these are those essentials that start coming out which if you relate to trust in any form in a team whether it's between leaders in an organization it's essentially the same thing and that is why for me it's it's really a dance with trust that's amazing cuz uh, i am a horrible dancer <clears throat> very honestly okay <laughs> uh, i'm pretty sure uh, at least on the dance floor no one should trust me i think that's the vulnerability that i can provide you should not trust me on the dance floor but the one thing that you said that's actually uh, that's something that i can relate to when you say that you should start with 100% like you should start with trusting uh, your dance partner and that's something that i learned from one of my mentors uh, a few years back as to his way of approaching trust has always been whenever you meet someone and you're going to work with them you start with 100% thinking that this is the best that could have happened so you trust them mm-hmm. completely and then you just hope that it does not reduce and that pretty much is if you are vulnerable enough if you can uh, speak your mind if you can ask for help for example everything that works out and uh, i think a few years back even simon sinek spoke something like this when we he was speaking with uh, the us army and the the thing that they ensure is everyone has only one notion in their head and that's someone has my back and that's the trusting relationship that they form it's to say that hey i have someone else's back and someone else's else has mine and that's how we progress and that's yeah i i can relate that to well not dancing so much because um, as you know uh, i have a special relationship <laughs> with it but sure with, with the other things i can definitely relate to it you mentioned that this is something that uh, that usually is something that the teams want why is this always been a constant ask from the teams i mean if we can just discuss on that why is that why is trust so important so i i would look at that with different uh, in different ways or different perspectives let's say uh, i'm not sure if a lot of teams ask for it that's one 
because mm-hmm. it's not something that's voiced out in at least most of the teams that I've looked at. But if you've worked enough as a team member, you know that you want it. So if you know you want it, anyone in that place would want it by default, right? So I've I've had a journey where I've worked starting as a developer, a tester, um, okay, a CXO of a company, a small company, but I ran it for four years. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fair enough, good experience uh, to call yourself a CXO. And uh, yeah, I've been an, an agile coach, change leader, uh, an adaptive leader, as I used to call myself, and I still do. I hope I still am doing that. Uh, essentially, the kind of roles you play, they teach you different aspects of trust. That's how I look at it, Vishal. Mm-hmm. And as a team member, I've always wanted a safe space. Now, right. a lot of people would say, hey, you know, we want our management to build that safe space. And I tell people today, why do you want someone else to start building it for you? Why don't you start by building it yourself? Really small things that you can do by starting to build it yourself. That's one. But just just going back to the fact that do teams need it? I think everybody needs to trust each other. Do we always voice it out? Probably not. Uh, do we know it's important? Sure, it's really important because uh, going back to a point that we talked about, uh, do you have my back when you know I need it? I definitely mm-hmm. want to know you have my back. Uh, I also go back to what Patrick Lencioni says uh, about uh, building vulnerability trust, because that's what I almost always bring to the table with everyone, mm-hmm. where he talks of the fact that, and it's at the base of his pyramid that he talks about, right? That's yep. lack of trust, yep. which, you know, that's where most of the teams start lacking. But let's look at it from a positive aspect where we say, what is vulnerability trust? And it's a place where leaders want to comfortably and quickly acknowledge without uh, I think the way he says it, I don't probably I don't remember it perfectly, but without any provocation, you mm-hmm. know, put out their mistakes, their failures, their weaknesses, and yeah. whatever asks for help that they have. And that environment, I believe, is what everyone looks for, not just someone at a team level. And, you know, we work in the Asian part of the world where, you know, we look at hierarchies, etc. And mm-hmm. I've worked globally enough to say that you can get this at every level. Somebody has got to start. And my point is, you have to start with yourself. This last thing that you said about like the, at some point, essentially, everyone has to start. What's a good way to start? Like if I want to start, how do I do that? Uh, Okay. Uh, I would answer this question the way I have built myself, Vishal. I like this question about uh, where where does one start? So there are lots of approaches in which one can start, but I'll share what I have done, right? Practically to start. So this was 12 years ago when I had a realization because of one of the incidents that happened at my workplace. And I was like, in fact, a couple of incidents that kept happening. And one fine day I sat back and I had this habit of, you know, reflecting with myself about what's going well, what's not going well. Today, we call it a retrospective or introspective or whatever. Mm -hmm. But this was my intrinsic habit where, and I've been a very super ambitious person, you know, uh, since the start of my career Mm -hmm. or even since childhood. And I've always wanted to do something different to add value. And for that, I've almost always looked at what in me can I change to do better tomorrow? and be a better person. Uh, So that's the journey that I started 12 to 15 years ago, I believe. And that's where I started even looking at what biases do I have today? And 
I, I fail to accept, and scientifically, anyone will fail to accept that we are unbiased. No, 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 no human being can be unbiased. Okay. Yeah. So no matter how much we want to say that, well, scientifically, it's not <laughs> right. Um, the fact that yes, I was quite biased at that time. So I had biases, and I knew when I was falling trap, you know, into a trap of a bias, and I was like, okay, how do I fix this? So I used to every day look at. you know how my day has gone okay what can i do what biases have i had today how did i navigate my biases uh how did i build trust oh i met so many new people today was i able to trust them could i do things so these were self reflections that i honestly started doing with myself and frankly i have a template uh, mm. that i started to use and i have only enhanced it to become an a3 sheet today and i still do that every day wow. in the evening 9:45 pm i'm going to spend 30 minutes with myself and i strongly believe the more you sit down to reflect what kind of a person you are and how you can only better yourself rather than trying to change others that mm-hmm. builds your capacity to work with others in a different way and people see you as a i would put it as as you as an authentic you you know because authenticity vulnerability trust all of these things go together and mm. that's where i keep saying try and connect with yourself as a human being first before you try and you know change the whole world the world's not going to change unless you are a different person yourself oh, yeah. and if you do not know yourself you're never get going to get to know the others I know oh, yeah. Stephen Covey says in his books on speed of trust, if I remember correctly, that you know do as you say, and it's not just about words; it is about actions. One of my rules is just to be truthful. It doesn't matter whether the news is good or bad; you just speak the truth, and that's good enough to at least be a starting point of building trust. It's not about making someone happy or sad; it's just about stating what is the fact. and then the second part of that for me at least is uh, if someone has a follow up question which is usually a why don't come up with opinions and for me that becomes my starting point you you did mention in one place where you said that this is something that you have to start why do you want the organization to do anything for you but is there something that the organization can do one of course is the environment that mm-hmm. it uh, provides i don't know whether people relate or resonate more to the word environment or is it more culture but i think culture is what we build uh, over a period of time using our behaviors you know mm-hmm. uh, by interactions with each other so i would say it's probably the environment that we get and what we make out of the environment and the kind of people we interact with to create the behaviors mm-hmm. uh, to you know get the behaviors right so that the environment then starts having trust as an ingredient by default in it rather mm-hmm. than anything else so so a lot of my stories uh, that you know that have come my way where i have either worked as a leader or even as a team member uh, where we've been building trust and where it has started from us by default or with me as default uh, i generally would say starting with trust with the within the individuals is key mm-hmm. uh the environment that the organization gives and probably resonates or reciprocates is probably a better word there reciprocates your actions to you being allowed to build trust and they see that as a positive i would say that's something that an organization should and can do uh, where they assume that what you are doing is positive 
So, you know, if I am assuming positive intent while I'm building trust, I would say the organization also should assume positive intent and probably allow that environment to have the ingredients of, you know, inspect, adapt, a little bit mm -hmm. of experimentation and see how it goes. Uh, mm -hmm. I would also think another key ingredient would be co-creation, where if I'm creating, I'm trying to create trust in some way, there should be someone, like we said earlier, to have my back. And if that means my leaders should have my back and they should give me that space to safely experiment, then mm -hmm. yes, I would say that is something that an organization can definitely provide. Uh, another ingredient I would say, Vishal, is probably having distributed leadership. It sounds like a jargon, right? But okay, let's let's simplify it. You and I both know what that is. Who says, I think it's Dan Pink who says authority is where the information lies. So why should I, as the person at the top, take all the decisions? And mm. if, if Sarika and the team has all the information to take a decision, so she should be able to take a decision. If she has all the information with which, you know, she can tap on the people around her and start to build trust and psychological safety in the environment, why not let her do that? Because that's going to be beneficial for the overall organization. People are going to see that happen and, you know, it's going to get mm. viral at some point. And I would allow those kind of behaviors to be amplified so that, you know, we can not just survive and thrive. I mean, this, this thing about authority is where the information lies. This kind of gets misunderstood so many times. It's, uh, but I think there was something that uh, we did in one of our episodes uh, about extreme ownership. And there's one <laughs> principle that says moving up and down the chain of command. Now, when I say chain of command, the first thing that comes to anyone's mind is like a hierarchy within an organization. But mm -hmm. that's not what we are talking about. When we say up and down the chain of command, it is exactly this, is to from where you're getting information and where are you going to propagate that information further. And this can come from yeah. any part of the organization. It's not starting from the top, going till the bottom. It can go left, right, diagonal, any which way, depending on what is it that you're trying to do. I think that that aspect gets so misunderstood. Yeah, we end up having uh, like a notion of bosses and subordinates and that, that kind of creates some imbalance, some places. True. And, and I think people have to start looking at vulnerability as being a positive and not a negative. And I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. when the word vulnerability comes, I know all of us, maybe the first thought <laughs> is Brené Brown because she's, she's brilliant in what she's done. And mm -hmm. she clearly says, right, vulnerability is the birthplace of connection and the path to the feeling of worthiness. And, and if I go back to even what Patrick Lencioni says, he says, teamwork begins by building trust. The mm. only way to do that is to overcome our need for vulnerability. So why not be vulnerable? So mm. it's it's a lot of times where I have started with the fact that, you know, going to a team and I start talking of, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you help? Of course, people get jaw dropped. They're like, she's a leader. <laughs> yeah. She's saying she doesn't know who appointed her as a leader. <laughs> okay, that's the first question, right? In the older days, I would say, and this is like, I'm talking of before 2008, but I'm sure even today, and I see that when I coach a lot of people at uh, the leadership uh, level, I, I see that people are looking to be perfect, but hey, if you make mistakes, you can encourage others to do the same too. I'm not saying you have to do blunders, but creating that safe environment for people to even trust you with that. Like we said, you have my back and I have yours. So Yeah, but that's the, the thing that you said that has happened with me as well. So when I started my career, I have questioned it so many times as to 
what does my manager do or why is this person even my manager because they don't know something <laughs> at that point of time i used to think if if this person can be a manager maybe i can exactly. and today when today when i i get to uh, i get to wear that kind of a, a hat myself it's now when i realize that it's not possible for anyone to know everything it's it's in it's not in our capacities and that's the place where we have to be we have to be open enough to say i don't know but i'm ready to know that i'm ready to get that information from others because others can do it much better than what i can and yeah i i still believe there are a number of us out there who find this kind of an acceptance very difficult we speak about building a safe environment and safety what are the few examples of what would you call a safe environment how do you build a safe environment i i think there are a lot of things that every individual can do and uh, the first thing of course would be especially in terms of uh, building a safe environment you need to start with trust mm. um and i would say it starts with self awareness and self trust uh, mm. so this yeah so if you are self aware about yourself and if you trust yourself and if you know that you are someone who is vulnerable to a large extent and who will open up and say hey i understand i think i'm falling into a bias right now um, you know i want to step out look at it from a third party perspective looks like i'm falling into the bandwagon effect looks like i'm getting into the confirmation bias let me step back and let me see how to uh, act differently by not being in the situation so i think you need to be self aware trust yourself and be vulnerable to start with other things that one could do is um, declare and assume positive intent at almost all times so because mm. you are starting with trust you trust yourself you are aware of your own uh, vulnerabilities you are ready to be vulnerable i would say you should also always declare your positive intent when you start by creating this environment which mm. means having no hidden agendas if there is something put it out there um let everybody know let everyone have exactly the same information that you believe you have and yeah i mean if you if you don't have everything make that also clear hey this is as much as i have right now if there's mm. something more we'll all you know get to know but if you have hidden agendas it does not allow anything to get built in the environment now no matter how much i say about something hey you know vishal we're going to do this and we're going to make it happen and then sarika sleeps away for like a month or so and doesn't do anything about it you have to do something to support what you've just said the prerequisites of that the previous ones that i said it again starts with what uh goes back to self trust the vulnerability positive intent no hidden agendas of course i would say a key part of this is building or tapping into the collective intelligence all of that i would say would allow to build a safe environment this starters right uh the other previous aspects that i gave you um, or i shared with you in terms of you know distributed leaderships and uh, being open to the fact that yeah we don't know it all uh another key ingredient i could potentially add to it because is uh, something that i call responding versus reacting now we all know that as human beings we pretty much react to everything okay and mm. yeah, sometimes it leads to dire consequences um because we react and then you can't there's no undo right in real life you just can't 
control Z something and then it's taken away. Uh, we have to live with those consequences. And which is something that I say, uh, share with teams and leaders, do not react. Wait, see what's happening, take a good look, and then activate your response part of the brain, not your reactionary part of the brain. Your response part of the brain takes time and it takes a lot of energy and you need to trigger it. So um, the way the psychologists, uh, I think his name is Victor, Victor Frankl, uh, mm -hmm. between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is the power to choose a response. And that's, I think, something that all of us should tap on if we really want to build this environment. And we should want to have that as another key ingredient while we create this environment, whether it's about building vulnerability trust or a psychologically safe environment, just no matter what you want to call it, uh, I would say everyone should add a piece of this and last but not the least, just actions to be back, backing up all the words that we say. Cool. This, this has been an amazing talk with you, Sarika. Thanks so much for discussing trust with us. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Vishal. That was Sarika Kharbanda discussing a dance with trust. I will leave a link to her profile and references from today's episode in the show description. If you found this discussion just as educational as I did, then do subscribe to Enterprise Joy wherever you listen to podcasts. A shout out to our patrons, Sebastian Holscher, David Taborik, and Anjana Ajay for supporting this podcast. If you would like to support this podcast as well, then become a patron on patreon.com slash enterprisejoy. Patrons receive some exclusive benefits like access to an early release of the one-hour uncut ad-free version of this episode with Sarika. So do check out what we have to offer. The details of the upcoming episodes can be found on our website, enterprisejoy.com. And do leave your feedback and comments about this episode so our podcast can continuously improve. Until next time, thank you for listening, take care and stay safe.